0: Hi everyone and welcome back to the Making Milestones podcast. I wanted to record a quick episode for you guys because my last one that I did was not necessarily super horse related and i have some big stuff on the go that i wanted to talk about as well so i figured that now is the time to do it uh, but first and foremost i just wanted to quickly plug my store i have a bunch of new things that i've put in my store for like summer riding gear i have a deal going on currently that's auto applied at checkout if you buy three riding shirts you get 30 percent off your entire order uh, for all the riding shirts so that's a really great deal there's a bunch of stuff on clearance that gets an extra 25 percent off as well we have some new bridles that have come in. The bitless bridles have been restocked. The Dallas multi-bridles, we've had a small restock on full sizes. And then all the other sizes until sold out of the first version are on sale for an extra 30% off of $140 Canadian, which is only like $110 US. So super good deal. Um, so you can check that out at Shop Milestone Ec, shopmilestoneeq.com. Also, for anyone who's interested in supporting my work, my Patreon p- channel is the best way to do that. Patreon.com slash SDEQIS, SDEQ u-u-s-p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com slash sd you can also see these links down below in the description i'm currently fundraising for a trip to france to speak at a welfare conference in paris so that's a big thing that i'm working on trying to fundraise for before september when i'll be leaving to go there so anyone who's interested in doing that i also have some fundraising things that i'm offering such as mini behavioral consults shout outs um And ads on my page by donation. And if you want to donate, you go to paypal.me slash milestone equestrian, paypal.me slash milestone equestrian. So thank you for everyone who's interested in doing that. The links will also be in the description of this podcast, but let's just jump right into it. So today I wanted to talk about the welfare problems in the horse world and why i think we are desperately in need of change and we're like hitting a point of no return soon because like horse people just keep painting ourselves in a bad light there's so many bad media articles that just make us look absolutely ridiculous because like the cognitive dissonance is what makes us look the worst it's not even necessarily people making mistakes and having poor welfare or like abuse captured it's the apathy towards it that is going to do us in because on all these posts where horses like have bloody mouths or spur marks etc while there's some people that are on those posts that vehemently don't agree with it and say that they need change there's a lot of people who are like oh it's just a, it's a mistake it's a moment in time they just bit their tongue oh some horses get rubs really easily and they're shrugging off these things that are happening in a way that makes everyone within the industry looks look bad because it makes us look like we do not value horse welfare and we really need to start first of all looking at the fact that like yes people can make mistakes without being terrible people even riders who have horses that didn't bite their tongue where they might have rubbed them with a bit and made them bleed people can learn from those things and not do them again but if you defend the behavior and you don't want them to be held accountable or you want to shrug it off I don't really view that as likely for people to actually make necessary changes. In order for people to make necessary changes they first need to acknowledge that they have done something wrong and made a mistake and not shrug off that situation because like stuff happens but like if your horse is bleeding from the mouth or if you've rubbed them raw with the spur that's a sign that you need to reevaluate something with your equipment and your riding full stop. It's not just a fluke it's something where it's like This is where you probably shouldn't be riding in spurs at all if you have any potential to leave a mark on your horse. You don't need spurs. Figure out a different way of getting them going forward and motivating them to go forward. Do not try to justify an equipment that is clearly causing them discomfort just because it makes your life easier. That is what makes us look bad but with that in mind like i just co-founded an equine welfare organization called the alliance for horse welfare and sport and we are introducing 46 recommendations that we're going to present to the fei uh in hopes of improving the welfare of sport horses we're starting off with the fei leading up to the paris 2024 olympics but our goals are going to branch out a lot more than that as time goes on but the paris olympics is where we're starting out because of how publicized it makes the horse sport it puts us all under a microscope um and we get put in front of millions of viewers that don't usually necessarily watch equestrian sports so if we screw up again and go the same route as the tokyo olympics where stuff made us look really really bad then it's going to be really bad for the horse industry because for people who that's that that's their only peak into the industry they start to think that that's what everyone is guilty of especially when you then go on these articles and have people defending the behaviors that look clearly problematic to people outside of the industry who have not been desensitized to the industry um So that's where we're starting out. We have a petition and our goal is a million signatures, which is obviously a huge goal. It's not going to be achieved alone. We need help. We need people to sign it and share it and share all of our pages and whatnot. So I'll link that all down below in the podcast description as well. We need your help to make this work and to get the FEI to take it seriously. We'll need as many voices as possible in and out of the horse world. It doesn't matter if you're not a horse person. It doesn't matter if you send it to your mom or your dad or your sister or your brother or your friends. Get everyone you can who is willing to to sign it to help us out. Share, 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 share. Like the posts from the Alliance. Follow their pages. Help boost our voices because our voices are going Going to be attempted to be suppressed we're going up against a multi-billion dollar organization that is the fei it is not an easy feat they have a lot of money they have a lot of influence and they have the ability to suppress our voices so we need our voices to be as amplified as possible and that requires the help of the general public so i really hope that people will consider jumping in to help us with that and i'm going to go further into detail on why this is so needed in the horse world because it's something that's been a long time coming so, as it stands now in the horse world, the vast majority of organizations do not really at all, or, like, if any, they don't specify how they're actually measuring welfare. Most horse show organizations, if you look in their rule books, they'll say that horse welfare is very important, that they don't tolerate abuse of horses, but they don't actually have any standards for what they consider abuse. And for, moreover, generally speaking, what they finally do define as abuse is so far gone that they've missed the mark on actually properly addressing the behavior because they wait until things get really, really bad until they step in. And there's all sorts of smaller abuses and smaller infractions on welfare that eventually stack and they lead to these bigger issues. You can't get to the point of these major welfare infractions that are so publicized and so visible and so bad without all of these other little things to desensitize people to horse welfare and shrug off welfare issues as a non-issue. So So what we really need is we need these organizations to, first of all, get an independent body of people who are welfare professionals to define how welfare is measured and define what changes need to be made. People who are in the USEF or Equestrian Canada or FEI that are directly involved in those organizations are too biased to be involved with a welfare panel and deciding like how to move forward with benefiting welfare. It needs to be a separate entity. It needs to be welfare professionals, equine scientists. We need to be looking to hard research to make these decisions. It cannot just be what is easier for people to believe or what is anecdotal because as it stands now, all of us, myself included, have been so desensitized to equine stress and equine pain that you have to work extremely hard to learn how to see it because it is so prevalent everywhere and we're not taught how to read equine behavior properly. So you have to work hard to undo all of that indoctrination and all of that conditioning and all of that misinformation. And in order to do that, you have to make the express decision to go and seek out that information and go and learn. But a lot of people are not doing that because it is a hard path to take. It sucks. It's really demoral it requires you to completely rethink a lot of the stuff that you thought you knew in the horse world and go a completely different path it is not easy a lot of people are not willing to do that which is why we need these welfare people in place to make people because the industry is going to collapse at the hands of people who would rather stay within their comfort zone than do what is right and for all of the people who want to move forward and do what is right and improve the industry, we're going to get screwed over by the people who don't want to do that and who would rather stay in their comfort zone and not have to rock the boat and not have to let go of all of these things that they've grown used to being able to do. They will ruin the industry. We need to improve and grow with the times. We know so much more about horse welfare and equine behavior now. Like, it's, it's time for stuff to change there's so much research out there that just paints things that we have normalized in the horse industry as severely problematic, and it is not being taken seriously enough. Like, I feel like a broken record, but it is so frustrating to see the number of people who are willing to normalize stereotypic behaviors like stall vices, like weaving, cribbing, stall walking, like Aggre- stall aggression, etc. The amount of people who are like, oh, well, it's just feed time. Like I, like I did a post on this about the Kentucky Derby account, posting a video where they're like, oh, like these horses are so excited to be on social media and all of them are engaging in stereotypic behaviors. And I had a bunch of people come on and they're like, well, obviously it's feed time. Like, what do you think? Like, have you never had a horses? Blah, blah, blah. And the thing is those behaviors, even at feed time are not normal. They're not normal behaviors. They're still stress behaviors. There is absolutely no information that you will ever find out there that says that stereotypic behaviors are seen in horses that do not have chronic stress. They are consistently correlated with stress. That is a fact. And anyone who is not willing to to acknowledge that is in denial. They're just in denial. They're denying fact. And their lack of desire to believe it does not change the facts. And I've honestly, like, I'm losing patience with people like this because... You wanting to believe something that is more comfortable and easier for you to take in does not make it true. I'm sorry. I, I get it because I have been there. But even when I was actively trying to stick my head in the sand like an ostrich, I was still wrong. I was selfish. I was putting myself in front of my horses and my own comfort in front of my horses because I couldn't handle the discomfort that was accepting the truth, which quite frankly is really sad and disgusting because the amount of discomfort I demanded that my horses be in on my behalf for me, for my enjoyment, was so much more than any discomfort that I felt in unlearning these things and learning... about the skeletons in the industry's closet and how much stress behavior is normalized in horses. I demanded my horses be so much more uncomfortable chronically all the time, just for me. So the least that I owe them is to... Do the work and undo these biases that I've learned and put the work into actually learning how I can show up the best for them and make changes to care that might suck and might delay my instant gratification, but are the better or better for their welfare. That's the least I owe them because we ask them to be uncomfortable in so many different situations, especially in the competitive world. Like, even the act of getting a horse to a showground, you're asking them to go in a trailer and do something that's inherently uncomfortable and stressful for them. At the bare minimum, what we owe them them as a good life and honest outlook at their behavior and not mislabeling it to be something else that is easier and more favorable and palatable for us to take in. We owe it to them to do the work. And anyone who is a horse lover, if you truly love your horse, which I think most people do, but if you truly love your horse and they, like, you love them as an animal, you love their personality, you want what's best for them, you're not always going to get your way. Full stop. If you truly love anything, you're not always going to get your way. There has to be compromise. You have to be willing to do stuff that might inconvenience you for their benefit. You can't just expect them to always defer to your needs and wants at the detriment of their physical and mental well-being. And that is honestly what a lot of horse people are asking of their horses. And the sad thing is a lot of these people aren't even aware that the way that their horse is living or being trained is damaging. But the information to undo that misinformation is being deliberately suppressed or denied or said that it's untrue and since there's so much normalized stress and poor management and and poor training in the horse world people think that the amount that they see these incorrect things means that the information saying that they're bad must be untrue because what they're seeing be called out is rampant everywhere and that is only an indicator of how much work we have to do. Not an indicator of the information itself being false. Yes. Horse stress and horse pain is rampant in the industry, and it is because of the fact that so many of us have refused to change, that the industry has refused to mandate welfare practices and make welfare an important factor in competition and care of horses. There's so few laws to protect horses and how they can be treated and how they should live, and that is why these things exist, not because they're not a problem they continue to exist and they continue to be so prevalent because we are flat out refusing information and refusing to change. We're trying to silence discussion. We're not wanting to move forward and make change. So we're stuck in the stone ages in the horse world. And that's why we see all of these things that we know beyond a shadow of a doubt are bad for horses continue to happen again and again and again. Because for example, stalling is for people. Stalling is for people. It's all about human convenience. There are so many better living situations that horses could be in if we reimagined the horse world that are better for horses. Full stop. The number one cause of mortality in horses outside of old age related death is colic. The biggest factor in causing colic is stalling. That is not a coincidence. The vast majority of horses in this industry are stalled quite a bit. A lot of them spend the vast majority of their daily time budget in stalls. People who think that like eight hours of turnout is sufficient are missing the mark because 16 hours standing in a 12 by 12 box is substantial. I would not leave my dog in a kennel for eight hours a day personally much less 16 and most people even with like working dogs are not kenneling their dogs for 16 hours a day the fact that we're kenneling essentially kenneling a flight animal for 16 plus hours a day in a tiny little 12 by 12 box when they're meant to be walking 10 to 20 kilometers per day is absolute insanity especially when we have all of this research showing us that movement is absolutely integral to their health And this is why we have so many problems with like hoof problems in horses, digestive problems in horses, why there's such a high instance of ulcers. It's because we are mismanaging horses. Not because they're just these weird finicky animals who have all these problems they're they're an exotic animal yes they're more difficult to care for than some other animals yes but the reason why we see so many of these problems and so many injuries and so many health issues in them is because we're doing an incredibly shitty job on an industry-wide scale of caring for them if we were held to the same standard as zoos and like animal parks we would fail all of the horse world would get shut down if you had an ethologist walk through the average boarding barn and the average show barn and and market in terms of how the horse's needs are met most of them would burn because the care is not sufficient. And that's never going to change if we don't look the problems in the eye and see them for what they are. And I understand that there's factors that make this more difficult to deal with, such as urbanization, that a lot of areas where horses live don't have as much space. But there are ways to fix that or at least improve on it and have harm reduction. The answer isn't just going, oh, well, we can't do anything because urbanization, because, oh, like, we only have stalls in my area. And then people end up denying the information because they don't want to believe the fact that their horse is in a less than ideal situation when they feel like they're helpless to change it. But you're not helpless. Even borders. If boarders start to demand new things and we start to push for better welfare regulations that would force boarding barns to alter the way that they run things for the betterment of horses, then boarders will be able to get what they want. But they never are going to if we don't have this discussion because there's no incentive for these places to change. Even just starting off by not having stalls be so isolated that horses are boxed up on all walls and cannot see each other would be a huge start. Even just starting with all new barns being built with in and out stalls and never just standing standalone box stalls would be a great start doing more track systems in new barns starting to mandate the minimum amount of space requirements that each horse should have and the minimum amount of socialization that they should have because like there's certain countries in europe that don't even allow guinea pigs to be kept alone Much less a horse. Horses are so intelligent and they're herd animals. We know this beyond a shadow of a doubt, but we care for them so poorly. The way that we care for horses, I saw a post that someone made recently where like, if you, if you post photos of like a goldfish or like a betta fish living in a tiny little jar, people will go, that's not sufficient. They need more space. That's not okay. And that's a fish. The average horse is living in a worse off situation than that for their size and their actual spatial needs and their actual species specific needs. And it is absolutely unnecessary. We can do better. There's ways to discuss this. Even on smaller properties, track systems, you can have a lot of horses out on tracks on relatively small amounts of space if you build them right. And that is an incredibly healthy solution to the problem of reduced space. But there's a lot of other solutions. And yes, some horses have aggression issues because they're so poorly socialized. But we need to look at that as an absolute tragedy and the result of all of the wrongs that we have committed towards horses. Horses are not naturally aggressive animals. They don't hate being around other horses naturally. The reason why we see these behaviors are because of all of the ways we are failing them in their care, not because it's a natural behavior. And the fact that that's a challenge that we're going to have to deal with because of how we've deprived them of all these basic needs and resulted in them developing screwed up behaviors because of that. That's our challenge to figure out. It's not the horse's job to just continue tolerating a lack of care simply because we made mistakes and we continue to make mistakes. It's our job to fix it. So like going forward in competition, like another example of how messed up the industry is, is like how much more comfortable people are with using extensive punishment, like whipping their horse, spurring their horse, putting on a really harsh gag bit or a twisted wire snaffle. There is way more comfort towards increasing the level of pressure and pain that you're causing your horse than there is to rewarding horses. And one of those is so much more benign than the others, and it's not the equipment, it's the rewards. Reward-based training, you can have problems with it if you use it wrong, but as a general rule, it seeks to benefit the horse's welfare, not hurt it. But spurs, whips, most bits they don't seek, at, at best, the horse will be neutral towards them. But generally speaking, the way that they're used, the horse cannot be neutral towards them because in order to get a response, the horse has to find them aversive because that's how pressure and release works. The degree of aversive depends on the rider and the type of equipment, for sure. And it can be not a horribly like abusive degree of aversive, but the fact of the matter is that all of that equipment is used to make horses uncomfortable so that they respond quicker. And the fact that as an industry, we are so much more comfortable With causing horses deliberate discomfort in the name of getting what we want than we are with rewarding them for doing what we want, says a lot about all of us as an industry and as people. And that's something that I think that we all need to seriously start honestly looking at because it's something that we should really be ashamed of. That's what makes us look bad, because honestly, a lot of other animal industries are way more comfortable with the idea of food rewards and rewards based training. So we all look like absolute morons for being so averse to it, but yet so comfortable with doing things that cause. Horses pain so that we can control them and manipulate them and get them to do our bidding. The fact that there is so much more comfort with causing equine discomfort in order to get what we want or punishing horses for quote-unquote bad behavior than there is for rewarding them to do what we want is absolutely insane. The other thing that I think we need to consider is what incentive do horses have to actually enjoy doing what we're asking them to do if the only thing that they get is relief of an aversive? And I'm sorry if this hurts anyone's feelings, but that's literally how pressure and release works scientifically. Look into operant conditioning. There's so much study on it on horses and literally all other species because it's been around forever and it's a very well-studied thing. Pressure and release or negative reinforcement is reliant on the removal of a stimulus to reinforce the behavior. In order for something to be reinforcing when it's removed, it has to be uncomfortable at minimum or something that the animal would prefer to not have around because the removal of it is what is reinforcing. If it was something that they liked and enjoyed, removing it would have a punishing effect because they'd be like, damn it, I wanted that around. So that is how it works. And with that in mind, what incentive do they have to enjoy what we're asking them to do if that's the only means of reinforcement that's always used? And on top of that, if you double down by using harsher and harsher equipment to get them to respond to you, what incentive do they have to enjoy their jobs when the entire premise of it is increasing the amount of discomfort that they feel repeatedly again and again and again until they do what you want? Because Honestly, if we're actually looking at this and being honest with ourselves, there isn't an incentive for them to enjoy it because the entire premise of getting them to do what we want when it is within that type of training with no rewards and with causing increasing amounts of discomfort to get an answer... It's all about making them uncomfortable so that they do what we want. So at best they experience relief when we take off the pressure, but there's nothing that they'd go, wow, this is so much fun. I love enjoying this. I love this so much because the entire premise of how we get them to do what we want is around making them uncomfortable until they do what we want and then taking away the discomfort, which why would they go? I love this thing. It's so fun when they know that it's going to be increasing amounts of aversives until they do what you want. And like, I know that sucks to admit, but that's the truth, and it's not that I'm anti-negative reinforcement completely, but using it as the sole method of training, on top of having all of the equipment that we've made legal in the horse world be easy to buy at any tax store, is flawed. There are so many bits on the market and training gadgets on the market that are not ethical, can never be used ethically, and serve to only cause the horse increasing amounts of discomfort and pain to get them to comply faster. And they should not be able to be legally purchased. Full stop. It is unethical. It is selfish. It's all about people. And it needs to change. And I'm sorry. Like, this is one of the most blunt podcasts that I've ever posted. But I've, I've had it. Because it's not all about us. These are sentient beings that are highly intelligent, highly emotional, highly sensitive, and we are completely traumatizing them on a massive industry-wide level because we are too egotistical to stop and reflect and look at what we're doing despite all of this information now being publicly available and there being extensive evidence of all of the ways that we're wronging these animals and exactly how we can change and better their lives it's selfish it's egotistical and it's stupid we need to change if the sport is actually about the love of the horse it should be a no-brainer what direction we need to move in and what discussions we need to start having because it's not about us every time someone tries to silence the welfare discussion for xyz even if they think like oh you're being extreme every time they try to shut down a discussion that there is proof absolutely needs to happen they're choosing themselves over their horse and this is the thing you don't necessarily need to agree with every solution that someone brings up for how to improve this but if you have an issue with the discussion itself ever being had then you are the problem because this is never going to address get addressed it's never going to get fixed our horses lives are never going to get better if we don't have this discussion and yes it's uncomfortable but the entire premise of how most of us have trained horses or do still train our horses is off of causing them discomfort so cry me a fucking river if you have to be uncomfortable in your learning experience i'm sorry cry me a river. You make your horse uncomfortable all the time. And I say this as someone who has done that and probably will. And again, because of how I have to handle other people's horses in certain situations. And even in like an emergency situation with my horses, if I have to do something where I have to force them to do something, I'm probably going to do that by making them uncomfortable. And that's a fact. So honestly, like boohoo to me if I have to be uncomfortable in the learning journey and make changes to my horsemanship for the benefit of the horse, because I, for years, have made my horses deliberately uncomfortable in order to achieve what I want. So cry me a fucking river, Shelby, for being uncomfortable with that. Cry me a river old myself, because that is, it's not about you. And, like, if it's uncomfortable, good. You're getting a taste of your own medicine. Learning is uncomfortable sometimes, especially when you're learning how much bullshit and misinformation you were fed by people that you trusted. And it sucks. Because, believe me, I've been there. I grew up watching so much punishment, so much harshness, so much shitty stuff normalized to me. Probably worse than what the average person might even see. And that's how I learned from the age of four onwards, for, like, a decade plus, And it was really, really hard to undo all of that conditioning, but it was absolutely necessary. And the reason why I eventually just dove headfirst into doing it is because I realized it was the right thing to do, even if it took me a while to get to that point. Because not everything is about me. And we can still enjoy horses in competition, we can still ride them and have fun with them, but it'll be way more fun. If both sides of the partnership are actually happy and content or at minimum neutral, like having horses even just be welfare neutral, I would be fricking thrilled with. And like, that's sad that that's like a goal, like where that's like, oh yeah, welfare neutral where they just feel nothing towards it. That is a huge benefit to the industry. Like, that would be an amazing change. I don't even know if we'll ever get there, but welfare neutral would be insane. That would be such a big improvement, and that's not even going like, oh, they should enjoy their jobs. It's going just neutral. That would be an insane improvement, and I would like to see that happen one day, because also, like, if we make our horses happier, a lot of the problems that people have with horses that they use to justify using harsher equipment or punishing them repeatedly are they stem from like how we manage and take care of horses and how we train them. Like we make their entire lives so stressful and like a stressed flight animal will engage in flight behaviors and we shouldn't, be surprised by that like people will stall their horse like 16 to 24 hours a day and then throw it in like a gag bit and like draw reins and then be the shocked pikachu meme when the horse explodes and dumps their ass on the ground and it's like well yeah i would too if i was basically a prisoner to a 12 by 12 box not able to self-exercise having no fulfillment in my life and then was just put into pain to do your bidding and that's what we're doing on such a massive level and it's just like what is going on Going on, like I want people to consider the fact, like anyone that listens to my stuff and disagrees with me, I will I'll retract what I say if you can film yourself sitting in your bathroom with with no food or just having someone bring in food like every. two to four hours for you and just a little snack no phones no entertainment just water and sometimes food and you staring at the four walls around you if you can do that for 16 to 24 hours a day and say that it's perfectly fine and it wouldn't ruin your life and that that's a fulfilling life i'll retract my statement if you if you're okay with doing that but like we all know that no one would be because that's not a fulfilling life to live and that is the life a lot of us have asked our horses to live or are currently asking them and we can't even seek to improve prove on that if we're in denial of the fact that it's not adequate but seriously consider how you would weather sitting in a box for 16 to 24 hours a day with no socialization and then having your only real enrichment be someone taking you out and working you really hard in physical activity that you have no say over no autonomy over you just have to do their bidding even when you're sore even when you're tired even when you're not understanding what they want and if you don't understand they get mad at you consider what type of life that would, is that a fulfilling life to live? Because if we're being honest, if we're not going to go into denial, and we're actually going to look at this at face value and try to look at it through the empathetic lens that we should be because we love horses. It's not a fulfilling life. It isn't. It isn't. And like, I'm at the point now in my riding career where if I had to go back to stalling my horses for that long and isolating them from other horses, I wouldn't have them. I would sell them. They would go somewhere where someone could take better care of them because I could not bring myself to deprive them of that level of enrichment and self-fulfillment just so I could have them around. I couldn't do it. It would be, it, 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 it would hurt me more to have them around in my life in that setting and have to see it destroy them mentally and physically than it would to just get out of horses completely. And I know not everyone feels that way. And I know that like being a boarder sucks because you're at the mercy of like what your boarding barn decides to do, but that's never going to change. And you're never going to have more options if we don't have these difficult conversations, because as someone who used to board, I know how difficult it is. I know how frustrating it is to not have full control. And I know how it sucks to be limited in being able to provide your horse the life that you might like to. But they're never going to have better options if we don't start to increase the standards in the industry. So you can be doing the best you can for your horse in your current circumstances while still acknowledging how much work we have left to do to improve the welfare of horses. And even the act of just knowing when something is not adequate for your horse will allow you to do better for them. But if you're in denial of the fact that being in a stall for 16 to 24 hours a day isn't ideal and comes with welfare deficits, then you can't even bring yourself to improve on that because you're not even acknowledging the fact that it's abnormal or unhealthy in any Capacity. But it starts with actually being honest with yourself so that you can help. Because if you look at that and you're honest with yourself and you go, this is not ideal, then you can get your horse enrichment. You can try to go to the barn more. You can take them for walks. You can take them for hand grazing. You can let them have autonomous time in training and handling. You can let them loose in the arena. You can. Tr- Like, do your best to try to get out of that situation eventually so that they can have more. But at the bare minimum, you can try to enrich their lives to the best of your ability while recognizing what they are missing out on and how you can enrich it and better their situation to the best of your ability. But the only way people can do that is if they're honest with themselves about where the care is lacking. And honestly, even in good, like, nice situations where the horses have more of their needs met most people don't have the perfect situation. Like for me, I would love to have like bigger run-in sheds and like more sand baths and like more forest and more hills and more different types of landscapes for my horses because that would be more enriching for them. But I rent, so I don't have the means to do that yet. If I ever do, that's what I want to be able to do on my own property. But I'm doing the best that I can with the situation I'm in, which means getting cheaper portable fencing like electric fencing and making track systems and doing like different hay stations and doing strip grazing and it's more work for me to set all of that up but it's so worth it because my horses are so much happier and it's been a good change and like for me too it meant going from boarding and doing full board to doing self-care and managing my horses myself and having them be in a situation where they're out 24 7 and I realized first of all how much easier that was um than doing self-care in a stall And I also liked having more control over my horses and, like, spending more time watching them made it completely impossible for me to deny, like, what parts of their life were lacking and also, like, how crappy it would be for a horse, like, in a stall. Like, as someone who has lived on horse properties where horses are stalled or are in little paddocks all the time... I don't think people realize how bored those horses actually are because you only see your horse when you're a full boarder for like the hour or two or three or whatever that you're there daily or three times a week or five days a week or however often you go. You're seeing such a small window of their life and to look at your little window that you're peeking through and think that that is the entirety of their life and that what you see of your horse in that moment is an entire statement on how they're feeling all the time when it is fractions such a small part of their life it's not right to do you need to really think about how they're spending all of those other hours because as a full boarder you don't see your horse very often and honestly even as a self-boarder if you're not living on the property you're missing out on a lot of aspects of horse care as well even though you're more involved than what someone on full board would be but The fact of the matter is, if you're not watching your horses like all the time, like you can't, it's way easier to disconnect yourself from the reality of their situation because you only think about their life in the time that they spend with you, which honestly is probably one of the most enriching parts of their day when their needs are otherwise unmet. So they might seem happier and more engaged and more enthusiastic when you're around, but you need to consider that those are like two, three, maybe four if you stay for a very long time, hours of their day which is not very much. And if that's the most enriching part of their day, consider how they are spending all that other time and consider how you can improve on it to make it more enjoyable for them. And that's what we need to start doing because it's really easy to go out of sight, out of mind and to just ignore the problem and defer to what's most comfortable, but it, it is not the right thing to do we need to do better. And if we don't start doing better, I really do believe that the industry is going to go under because other people who haven't had the years of desensitization to horse stress and like what we normalize in the industry, they see it for what it is at face value. They look at the equipment that people use and even if they don't necessarily understand exactly how it works, they look at it and they go, that's pretty messed up. And that's really all that needs to happen for the sport to go under because there's way more people outside of the industry than there are within it, and. All of the sponsors for these big show organizations are largely appealing to people outside of the industry because we have like, for example, like for show jumping and like FEI events, there's Longines and like Rolex and stuff, and these are big high-end brands that are appealing to the wealthy, some of which might be within the horse world, but the vast majority of their clientele is not horse people. So if their clientele starts to go, this is fucked up, we're not going to support it anymore, and they start to pull out of sponsorships, that's going to start the collapse of the industry because they put so much money into it. And if the general public rallies against what we're doing and really tries to force it to stop in such masses that it's easier to just be like, screw all the people within this industry, let's appease the general population because there's more of them that's going to cause a collapse in the industry and like we can avoid that if we actually show a desire to change and accept the evidence and look for ways to improve it doesn't even necessarily need to be an immediate improvement but like people need to see that we are actually trying to work on these things and actually be motivated to try to come up with realistic solutions on how we can at least reduce the harm that we're causing horses and how we can improve the industry and no longer enable and accept such poor treatment of horses in highly public situations. Like the fact that there's been so many instances in the last year of like Olympic level riders or Grand Prix level riders whipping their horses several times on course in front of the entire stands while they're being filmed and put on international television says a lot. If people aren't ashamed of that, to do that in such a highly public setting, especially if they do it and don't apologize, don't hold themselves accountable, don't feel bad about it, that says a lot about the state that our industry is in. And if the organizations governing these shows are not holding those people accountable for doing those things, it says a lot about our industry. And while we might not be ready to accept what it says, a lot of other people are, and those are the people who are going to come for the industry. And honestly, I'm kind of one of them now because I don't care if the industry collapses, if people are committed to not trying to better it. If we're not constantly trying to improve and build on the more we learn about horses to make the industry better and kinder and more fair to them and safer for horse people as a result, then we don't deserve to continue existing because we're not trying to improve. We're not trying to learn and grow with the times. We're stagnating and sticking to tradition to the detriment of ourselves and safety. Safety, in addition to to the detriment of horse welfare and we don't deserve to continue what we're doing if we're not trying to improve if we're that set in our ways and we've just refused to change we don't deserve to be here and that's like an honest statement and and i know that this podcast is probably gonna like hurt a lot of people's feelings but like enough is enough, like, we need to start having these conversations, and I totally, like, I totally understand people who feel stuck and who feel like they don't have options, like, if you don't own a horse or you lease, or even if you do own a horse, but you board and you don't have as many options in your geographic location, I get that, I get the struggle, but also you're never going to have more options and more ethical options that align closer with the way you're feeling if we don't have these discussions, and Honestly, joining the welfare movement and speaking at it from the point of being like a lesson person or a leaser or a boarder and saying like, these are the options that I have to provide for my horse and I really want more. I want more options. I want to be able to do better, but I'm prevented by for, to doing so because of what is normalized in the industry on a massive scale. I don't have access to the resources that I really wish that I had for my horse and this is why I'm joining the discussion and why I want to improve. Doing that is admirable doing the best you can with the resources for your horse and being their advocate so you can hopefully change their life for the better is admirable. Don't feel so stuck in your situation that you choose to stick your head in the sand and become cognitively dissonant just to protect your own feelings because being aware what is what will help your horse like even if it is just being more understanding when they engage in problematic behaviors because they're stressed in their environment just being more empathetic towards them and being nicer to them even just that is such a huge improvement where you're not losing your patience on your horse because you're taking their behavior as being naughty or bad because of like the conditioning that we've experienced just recognizing that like your horse is behaving the way that they are because they're having a hard time and that they're stressed that is a huge step forward and it's something to admire in yourself when you get there even if you cannot give them the perfect best case scenario situation right away and that's how we have to start looking at it. Like harm reduction is the way to go. If you can reduce the harm that you're causing your horse with decisions that are within your power to make, then do it. And same with lesson kids and lease kids. If there's things within your power that you can do to reduce the harm and like the negative experience the horses you're around might have, start with that because you're making a difference for the horse in those moments. And it doesn't matter if it's not the best case scenario or not everything, even if it just seems like a small thing, it's still better than doing nothing and start starting to do that is how you start to ignite change. It's starting with the little things and changing what you can and contributing to the change in the way that you can and bettering the life of the horse that you're around in the way that you can. That's how it starts. And We really need to start doing it because like it's 2023. Things are only going to get more and more publicized. Everyone has a phone. More stuff is going to get captured. And the horse show industry has a lot of skeletons in in its closet. We've been able to rely on racing being exposed and kind of hide behind them being the main focus of people who want to stop horse sports. But we're not going to be able to do that for very much longer because racing also needs to address a lot of things or they're going to go under too. And we can't rely on just hiding behind a bigger entity that's more publicized because like our reckoning will come if we don't get our shit together and it's time that we do and even if nothing was going to hold us accountable even just from an ethical standpoint even if we could continue and never have the sport canceled we should want to change for the benefit of the horses and for our own safety like I, as far as i'm concerned everyone seeks to gain from improving the welfare situation for horses in sport We will all gain. It'll be safer. Our horses will be happier. And if our horses are able to perform to the degree that they do now, as stressed as the average horse is, imagine how well they will perform with their needs met and less stress. Imagine how much quicker they will learn if their brain isn't so stressed that they're deferring to fight or flight mode most of the time that they're not even retaining all the information you're teaching them they'll retain more they'll learn faster it'll be easier like as someone who has gone through the process it has made my life so much easier to be more considerate of my horse's needs and i'm able to enjoy them more and have less problems as a result i cannot stress that enough we need to do this there's a better way and we can do it so please join me on this journey to trying to improve horse welfare and sport, even if it's just starting with harm reduction. Please. You can do radical change in the horse world starting at like a small level, like even just treating the horses year-round with a little bit more kindness and compassion, getting your horse some enrichment for their stall. These are little steps that you can take to better your horse's welfare and join the horse's welfare movement in a way that is attainable and realistic for the resources you have and your place in the horse world and that's where it's got to start don't feel so overwhelmed by the state of the horse world and the lack of resources you have that you just choose not to do anything start with Controlling and changing what is within your power to do so, and be gentle with yourself throughout this process because even just being aware and willing to learn and grow, that is a huge improvement. That's a huge step forward from what so much of the industry is currently willing to do, and it's something to be proud of. It's the start of bettering things. And what I can promise you is if we have these necessary discussions, at the bare minimum, what we'll be able to do is harm reduction. We'll be able to give people more options and better the lives of horses because we'll be having a discussion that needs to happen that will help bring forth realistic solutions, because we'll have more people talking about it and discussing the issues and unique problems that other people might face, and that'll allow us to better address the issue. We can do this. We really can. So join me in the horse welfare movement and join the Alliance for Horse Welfare and Sport in what we really need to do to better the lives of our horses. So many of us love horses so much and I think that love for horses is what makes people want to stick their head in the sand and not accept the information for what it is because it's really hard to accept when you love your horse and you think that you're doing the best for them. It's hard to accept that stuff that you've been taught that is normal and fine might be harmful to them and I get that but The greatest love you can show for your horse is doing the hard work that is unlearning problematic behaviours and relearning a new way, and learning how to accept information that challenges your belief system when it is factual. That is such a show of love for your horse if you start doing that, and it's something to be proud of. So for anyone who is interested in signing the petition, I'm going to link it in the description of this podcast, and you can go to the petition, you can go to the campaign magazine and read the 46 welfare recommendations. Um, Both are going to be linked in the link in description that I leave for the Alliance for Horse Welfare, along with like all of the social media accounts associated with it and you can head there please share the petition if you sign it like please please share we need as many eyes on it as possible i really really want to bring meaningful change to the industry and i want to help people do better by their horses i want to help riders be safer and have less accidents i want to help horses be happier and more fulfilled in life i want to help make their life outside of competition more fair and kind to them i want things to be changed for the better and for us to start moving into a healthier direction as an industry because i fully Believe that we can do that. I really, really do. So please consider joining the welfare movement and just consider harm reduction, starting with just that. It doesn't even need to be big, sweeping change or huge movements. It can just be doing what you can with the resources that you have. And it can even just be starting with trying to amplify the voices of organizations that are trying to make a difference. There are little baby steps you can take to improve, little shaping steps you can take to improve your horsemanship and your horse's life. You don't have to do a complete 180. It's just about getting curious, continuing your education, and being open to information that challenges you if it's coming from a credible place. And I cannot stress this enough. For anyone who is interested in learning more about the basics of operant conditioning and equine sciences, I have a free resources page on my website milestoneequestrian.ca. I'll also link that in the podcast description. And for anyone who wants more in-depth resources, I have a bunch of training tutorials and more on my Patreon channel um, that you can subscribe to. I'll leave that in the link of the podcast as well. P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash S-D-Equist. You can check it out there. I have steps on how to start out using positive reinforcement, a bunch of tutorials, Q&As and whatnot that you can access for a cheap price per month. I think it's like $7.50 a month now. So that's great. And there's also a lot of other Resources that you can use. I have a bunch of different places you can go for free help on my resources page on my website. And yeah, there, there. It's it's just about starting for off from where you can and what's attainable and realistic for you, and doing the best that you can with the resources you have. But we just need to stop being in denial as an industry because we can do better. We're so much better than how we portray ourselves on a worldwide scale. And I really, really hope that this upcoming Olympics will actually show. The horse world's commitment to doing better rather than highlighting once again how we downplay abusive behavior towards horses and showing that to the world because that's the last thing our industry needs and if we do that again i think that's going to be the beginning of the end we need this olympics to be portrayed in a better light and we need to prove to the world that the horse world is committed to doing better and bettering practices and no longer enabling such problematic behaviors at the pinnacle of the sport in particular But anyways, thank you for listening, and I hope that this helped radicalize some people to want to join this movement and help improve the industry, because I really believe that we could bring positive change. I wouldn't be wasting my time talking and posting about all this stuff if I didn't truly believe that people were capable of change. There wouldn't be a point in wasting so much time trying to put forth, like, education and talk about these things if I didn't truly believe that most horse people want to do better and want to be nicer to their horses. The reason why I put time into this is because I believe in our ability to adapt and improve. I used to do terrible, horrible things to my horses. I used to be so harsh and I was able to change. So like even people who vehemently disagree with me and don't like me right now, I believe in their capacity to change. I believe in their capacity to do better and become more compassionate because I'm sure a lot of people didn't believe in me, but I did it. And I'm still working on it. It's, it's an ever changing, ever committed commitment to my learning. Like it, it's, it's, it's not, there's not a destination. It's a journey. And I bet a lot of people didn't think that I would get there and I did. So it doesn't matter if people don't believe in you or that like people make you feel bad for starting to be open to science based stuff. Keep in mind that like people's negativity towards rewards based training and the science based movement is a response from within. It's their own visceral response to the fact that the information is probably hard for them to accept and it's nothing against you. So even if people make fun of you for going down this road, screw them. Screw them. You do you. Don't value their opinion. Know in your heart that what you're doing is right for your horse if you're committed to learning and doing better and becoming more empathetic and modernizing your viewpoint using credible information. Anything anyone says against that is just them highlighting how much growth they have yet to do. And people being older or quote-unquote more experienced than you doesn't preclude them from engaging in those types of behaviors where they're in denial. And think about the fact that, like, if you're younger than some of these people, like, you're getting a head start in undoing behaviors that some of those people have yet to do. So Believe in yourself, believe in the movement, believe in your ability to do better, and do the best you can with the resources you have. And don't beat yourself up for not being able to immediately change everything and offer your horse a perfect situation because even just being more empathetic to why they behave the way that they do and even just wanting to do better is such a good start. And you should be proud of that. So thank you for listening. And I hope that this resonates with people because i i'm just i'm so tired of just repeatedly seeing these negative news articles and just like sad things online and just like the apathy towards it like we're all so much better than how we show the rest of the world we are and we can do so much better i believe in us i believe in all of you harm reduction doing the best with the resources you have and education that's how we're going to conquer this